we made this. So, Tim, we've got to review on iTunes, have we? Yes, our very first review from a uh, friend of the podcast, Matt Latham from Pick a Disc. Hi, Matt. The title of which is Harrowing Yet Listenable. <laughs> <laughs> Five stars. The No Holds Barred documentary podcast in which a Disney obsessive and his casual Disney watching friend battle the possibility of a mental breakdown as they discover just how bad some of the live action out of Walt. Disney actually is. Occasionally a car chase is involved, alongside the debate of including decimal numbers in rating systems. Five stars. About as accurate as you can get, really. Yeah, pretty much. Very good. I take it this is to be Tomorrowland episode, then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that was a rough day in the office. I'm going to nominate us for a podcast award, and I think all the, all the awards, and that's the episode I'll submit, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Since... What would the award category be? Horror ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> Best survival podcast. Yep. So, a million years ago, yes. I gave you my new notebook. That... Which episode did we do this at the end of? Was I think it? it was Annie. I thought it was further back. I get the feeling it was Darby O'Gill territory. Oh, it might easy have been, anyway. So, in the recording time, you gave me a notebook when I was getting very busy at work and said, design this. Yep. And I was thinking, but I'm busy. <laughs> then it sat on the... Uh, carpet of my bedroom for about six weeks and then finally last friday when i was on the early shift i designed a notebook at six o'clock in the morning brilliant and now i'm going to reveal it to tim in real time he doesn't know what's on this no i don't i've had to buy my own notebook in the another notebook in the meantime to actually make notes since uh, i've been waiting for this one so long yeah but you can chuck that notebook out now because it was a hmv sale one Oh. since the uh, hmv is uh dying eva- evacuating grimsby <laughs> <laughs> Just like the rest of us, well, if only. Yeah. So, uh, no expenses spared, as Ooh. in there were no expenses. I literally printed something <laughs> off, cut it together. I couldn't even be asked by a prick stick. I just sellotaped it all on. It looks really rough as fuck. Here you go, Tim. Describe what's on the front and back. <laughs> oh, my God. What the fuck? <laughs> okay, so on what I'm assuming is the front cover, yes. there's um, an image from the Emoji movie. <laughs> Which says, friendship ended with Disney, now Sony Pictures animation is my best friend. And there's also a picture of Mickey Mouse and Goofy crossed out with big crosses. Yep. Brilliant. And uh, when, <laughs> when I turn the notebook over, on the reverse cover is a inverted pentagram with the words Hail Satan across the yeah. top. Um, I think it captures you perfectly. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Thank, thanks, thanks, mate. No I'll make sure I don't pack this in my uh, suitcase when I'm trying to get into Florida. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a bit of a mistake. Tim ended. <laughs> now, now Bob Yeomans is my best friend. I did that half on purpose and half not. <laughs> I felt it happening, so I went with it. Sorry. Hello, and welcome to Without 
and Mouse podcast, the podcast where we watch and review the live and obscure... No, damn it. <laughs> the obscure and forgotten Disney... Live-action Disney films on the hunt for hidden gem. It's right, Perfect. It's right there, Chris. Okay, well, I've written it let, down. Let, let me try We've been doing this for a then. fucking year. I don't understand why you won't just read it. Because I'm a professional, David. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Without Maz Podcast, the podcast where we watch and review the obscure and forgotten live-action Disney movies on the hunt for hidden gem. I'm Chris, and uh, I'm joined as always by Tim. Hi, Tim. Hello. How's it going? I'm very good, thank you. Well, I'm good, I suppose. Feels like my life's falling apart around me, but apart from that, I'm doing all right. Disney podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's been a bit of a rough week and it's only Wednesday. Oh dear. So what's happened? We've had my sister's washing machine next door. That's packed in because it was condemned because uh, it's one of these ones that Hot Point thinks are going to set on fire at any moment. So she's not allowed to use it. A condemned washing machine. I like this idea. It's on death row. Yeah. <laughs> the um, the engineer took the door lock away, so we can't use it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Literally condemned but it. Why didn't you take the rest of it away? Yeah, that would have been better, wouldn't it? Yeah. Dickhead. <laughs> then uh, the our dishwasher's bust this week. Uh, and on New Year's Day, Kirsty managed to pop two tyres on our car um, in Lincoln as well. Oh. So we had to get a recovery van to, out to her to bring her back. Ooh, that's bad. Which was made doubly worse by the fact that when I checked our breakdown cover, I'd written it out in the registration of our old car, so we weren't covered. Oh. So we've been paying for breakdown cover that we can't use, so we had to fork out extra for that. So everything's a bit shit at the minute. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, how are you? Uh, let's see. Uh, How many white goods have you had break on you this week? Two fridges. Uh, the oven is uh, cooking itself whenever you turn it on. <laughs> so, uh, so we can only use the um, gas on it at a minute. Right. And the living room TV can no longer show HD, otherwise it starts flickering black. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, uh, we're all having a good New Year, then? Oh, yeah, I don't even cover all the work stuff. I can't really go into on the podcast, so... Yeah, but on the bright side, we're back together again. Hey! We've had our Christmas break. Hey! And uh, it's time to... Let's get down to business. Okay, then. Even though, you know, it's like February now, I think, when this comes out. <laughs> yeah. It's been a long Christmas. Yeah. It's literally been the longest Christmas ever. Seven days out of eight this Christmas week I uh, had to spend time with my parents and it's been a bit much to be honest I'm absolutely knackered literally the the last day that we were spending with them I went to bed and then woke up with a throat infection because <laughs> my body was just like no I've had enough that's mm. it that was the other thing that's happened since I've last seen you me and Kirsty was supposed to be going to Lincoln for New Year's Eve to go out celebrating and I ended up staying here in bed I was listening to a podcast at midnight <laughs> Oh, okay. Was it ours? No. Traitor. (laughs) Did you do anything good for New Year? Absolutely nothing. Uh, We ended up uh, staying at home, uh, mum and stepdad, watching Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, which, hot take, isn't that bad. I bet it's one of those things that if we went back to it, it's fine. It's not. I think uh, the issue with that film is 
uh, people grew up with the other Indiana Jones films and loved them so much, even though Temple of Doom's also shit. And <laughs> and uh, nothing they could have come out with would have satisfied the fans, I think. It was one of those was... Yeah. I sort of avoided all those 80s films growing up, you know, because they always showed them on ITV and on the Saturday afternoon. And I never bothered with them until quite late on, so I never grew that uh, emotional attachment to them. The only one that I ever saw as a kid was uh, Last Crusade, which we had taped off the telly. Yeah. So I don't have a massive connection to Indiana Jones. But even so, when I first saw King with the Christmas Skull, I was not feeling it at all. Okay. But, you know, it's been a long time now. It's been 12 years. Christ. I can't believe I saw that opening weekend as well. Wasn't it whilst we were at uni? It was, yeah. 2008. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember going with a lot of friends at the time and they were absolutely appalled by it. And I was yeah. just a bit like, that was... Pretty shit, but <laughs> who cares? <laughs> yeah, I say. But then I'm going through the same shit with Star Wars this month, so you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. But we're not going to go into it, are we? No, because I don't like Star Wars. I was going to say it's, it's not going to. It's a bit boring. It would be a bit of a one-sided conversation, wouldn't it? It would be. Anyway, wrestling. Yes, we're off wrestling, aren't we? We are indeed. <laughs> we'll have a review of that in a couple of weeks, or a couple of episodes time, I should say. Yeah, it's going. At the end of this month, in the end of January, we're yes. going. Uh, it's my second ever wrestling match. Yep. And it's literally one of those family shows where at the beginning of it, they tell you who to cheer, who to boo, and all the bad guys are on a team called Team Nasty, and they come out to rap. Nice. So, so yeah. It's like an instructional guide for Tim. I was going to say, at least I'll know who to cheer for, and yeah. I'll know what's going on. And I'll be testing you on how well you cheer and boo as well. Right, okay. And I'll be able to point out the kayfabe now that that's the one <laughs> wrestling term I understand. If you uh, if you do well, I'll buy you a foam finger. Ooh. Which isn't a euphemism. <laughs> what, so you'll buy me a foam finger to take home but not use at the wrestling match? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right, fine. Yeah. <laughs> right, what else is there to talk about? Do you know what? It's ten weeks now till me and Kirsty go to Disney. Well, less than ten weeks. Bye, Eck. I know. That's all I've got again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it is what it is. Get, starting to get a bit excited now, having to plan shit. And mm. we, did, we did the list of all the things that we still have to pay for once we got there, once we get there. Mm. And uh, it's a longer list than I had, had anticipated. Yeah. I'm just looking forward uh, to me moderating afterwards the eight-hour interview with you and Kirsty about how it all went at Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, for our Patreon supporters. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Which we don't have. It'd be like Frost Nixon, but you know, we're more goofy. Yep. So, it was your pick of films <clears throat> this time. It was, yes. And I decided to go a bit left field with this one. Mm. Uh, we're doing 1999's The Straight Story. I was very excited for this film because uh, I've always wanted to have uh, a film that will teach me what it's like to be straight. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> I, um, I picked this one, though, because my favourite little film factoid to people who don't really have that much knowledge about film is that David Lynch, who done did that Twin Peaks, directed the Disney film. Yeah, which is, I... Until you picked it, I had no idea, which yeah. is really... If if this is a good film, it's definitely a hidden gem. Yeah, I will say now, this is complete unlike everything else he's ever done. Apart from... Arguably, The Elephant Man comes close to it. 
Yeah. In terms of tone and approachability, uh, shall we say, because a lot of his other films are quite uh, hard to get into unless you're like familiar, familiar with his work. Or yeah, they're quite abstract, style. aren't they? Yes. A bit full on. Yeah, they are. Whereas this is more a straightforward film. I think you can tell that it is Lynch's work, though. You can, um, especially towards the beginning. Uh, we'll yes. get into a few of the scenes, but the general pacing of his scenes... His really awkward, and, and I mean that in a deliberate, stylistic way, awkward use of silences mm. as well, he, he, between dialogue, like style dialogue as well. It's really long, drawn-out shots as well, and panning. And, yeah. yeah. It's definitely a David Lynch film, which, to be fair, watching it this time around, I noticed a lot more was when I watched it the first time, I did it, I had a marathon of David Lynch films about 10 years ago because I'd never seen any of them before and I'd just watched Twin Peaks so I thought, so I thought oh, I'll see what else he's done. And I I, I didn't really realise at first I thought this was a film that he did that was a bit bland and it was him selling out the right. first time I watched it. I can understand why. Yeah. You know, he put this versus Mulholland Drive or Lost Highway and it's... So completely different. Yeah, whereas I this is the first time I've watched it. So I did it without having any... of, And I haven't watched any David Lynch for a very long time. Mm. Um, it's a good five years since I watched Twin Peaks. Eraserhead we watched when we were at college, mm. I think. Um, and I have seen Blue Velvet as well, but a very, very long time ago. To yeah. the point where I barely remember what happens, just a few visual parts to the film. I'd so. say Blue Velvet's an interesting comparison as well to this, because there's a lot... Yeah, have a begin and end of a film. Uh, it, it's could, paced quite similarly, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's paced similarly, and there's that use of the rural, like suburb, a lot less suburban um, in uh, the straight story. But uh, that sort of like white pick, picket, like large garden sort of thing, yeah. comes into play there as well. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of the longer films we've had to talk about. Yeah, um, an hour fifty for this one. Yep. Um, but I found it very palatable, considering how long it is. Yes. I didn't think... You know, we always talk about how we have to often stop the film halfway through, go go have a nervous breakdown, then come back to it. Mm. But um, I actually managed to sort of watch it all in one sitting today. Yeah, um, um, uh, same here, uh, this time around. It's been a few films since I was able to watch it all in one go, but this time... I know this is sort of spot given an indication of how I felt about the film, but this was probably the easiest watch I've had, in all fairness. Yeah, this and Annie, I think, because that one was quite... Because it's so throwaway and bubblegum, you can blast through it in a sitting. Or at least I did. I skipped a few of the songs. <laughs> I've got a confession to make. What's that? Uh, two nights ago, me and Kirsty watched uh, another version of Annie. Oh, no. <laughs> so in the last two months, I've watched two different Annie's. We're not reviewing Annie again so soon. <laughs> no, it's not a Disney one anyway, so we can't. Yeah, I've seen some of the film choices coming up with our guests. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> we're already doing a couple of uh, duplicates along the way, so. Yep. morning you fall and you can't get off the floor that's your hips alvin and you're going to have to use a walker now to get around no walker i love a lightning storm 
Me too, Dad. Uncle Al, I had a... a stroke. Rose, darling, I'm gonna go back on the road. And I, I've gotta make this trip on my own. I've gotta go see Lyle. I know you understand. Alvin, you're gonna get blown off the right off the road. That's what I'm afraid. have a driver's license. That's 60 more miles of hills. That's across the Mississippi. I'm having a little engine trouble. <laughs> you know, uh, I'd be happy to drive you the rest of the way to Mount Zion. I still want to finish this the way I started. And this trip is a hard swallow for my pride. I just hope I'm not too late. You've got two brothers that haven't spoken in 10 years. I want to make peace. I want to sit with him, look up at the stars, like we used to do so long ago. Brothers and brother. So yeah, let's get into it then. Yeah, sure. So we start... Um, with a shot of space, of mm. all things, like and the stars uh, coming across, which uh, the film will be bookended by. Yes. And uh, sort of speaks towards some of the themes that we'll uh, get into. And immediately I notice as well the music in this. So I'm going to butcher his name now because I've not got a phone in front of me, but it's Andrew Badalamenti. Right. <clears throat> uh, tight. <laughs> He's done hundreds and hundreds of films, but most people will know him for doing the soundtrack for Twin Peaks as yeah. well. When I was listening to it, I did get a Twin Peaksy kind of vibe to it yeah. in that it's it's got a very southern, very Americana kind of tinge to it. Yeah. And also, like, throughout the whole film, it's got a very... It's very drawn out and quite slow, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is, yeah. Um it almost has a drawl to it, like an American accent. <laughs> it does. I thought it, it was very interesting the way this was, because it was a, like, a lot cleaner version of the sort of music he did for this, and like he did work for like Blue Velvet as well. Yeah. Uh, whereas the like, synths and all that lot were slightly dirtier. This sort of fitted in a lot more cleanly into that sort of middle of the road, uh, yeah. road fair film. Yeah, a lot less discordant and a lot more sort of bog standard, wasn't it? But in a good, it was still good. Yeah, so I, I, I would say bog standard. It's a bit like how on YouTube you can listen to uh, an, a continuous playlist of lo-fi hip hop, and it's mm. no, it's not really noteworthy, but it's just nice. Yes, and it works because we get a lot of, as you said earlier, a lot of nice um, silences throughout this film. Yeah. So just being scored with this soundtrack over some. Good old country rural visuals, <laughs> like a combine harvester and a tractor. I feel like I've gone a bit West Country there. Uh, <laughs> I had a complete brain fart now. Uh, Prospect to Pete from Toy Story 2. There we go. <laughs> yeah. 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 There we go. And speaking of, um, so we introduced to Alvin, yeah. and have a, after a conversation with his next door neighbour, 
who it is a thingy from Teen Angel, isn't it? I thought the it was end. to begin with, but it's not. Is it not? It's no, someone different. But honestly, because you start with a really long shot panning down, don't you? And I yes. thought it was her. It sounds like her. Yeah. yeah. And and she's um, as rotund as said woman. Same mannerisms and everything. It's quite yeah. strange, actually. But it's not, yeah. No. And uh, after uh, one of the Lynchy. A lynching style awkward conversation. Alvin goes inside his house, and while we don't see it, he falls over. We just hear a thump. Yes, we're looking through a window, but we can't even see through the window. But no. we hear the thump, don't we? That's right. Yeah. Um, and then at the um, tool st- uh, store, because if they're expecting Alvin there, he hasn't shown up. So one of them goes to check on him. Yeah. And eventually, uh, he. Finds him on the floor. He seems to be okay. Just can't get up. Yeah, I I made the note that um, Alvin's mate that goes to check on him. I was very jealous of the uh, cuffs on the bottom of his jeans. They were pretty dope. Then <laughs> he had a good like ten inch cuff going on, and I was. I can see what's already happening because you know, for the last uh, fifteen, sixteen years I've known you, you've had this whole emo thing going on, <laughs> and I'm just going to show it to recording next week and you're going to be a full cowboy sort of gear. <laughs> Having an image change. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to say something about me being emo after our Twitter conversation <laughs> yeah. last night. Oh, jeez. Chris found a video that we'd made, in inverted commas. <laughs> this was about, well, just over ten years ago now. Yeah, it was whilst we were at uni again, yeah, wasn't it? it was. I think it was last year uni, if I remember rightly. It was um, when this house was still being built. Because in the very yeah. first shot, you go past the construction work, don't you? You do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you go past the construction work and like the uh, opening my locks in your front room. Yeah. Which still looks exactly the same now, which is really weird. Everything about that video made me cringe. I remember it being a lot funnier than it was. We, yes. We, this is like, if if this podcast was ever to get famous, this video would be what gets us cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the things we thought were funny at the time are just just not horrendous. What can I say? All comedy decays just hours a lot, lot quicker. (laughs) The thing was, as I was watching it, I could remember the thought process for a lot of the scenes in our head. Yeah. And like, wouldn't it be funny if we did a parody of this by doing this? Yeah. And then when you do it, it's like the the viewer doesn't have the information that we had at the time, no. and it doesn't make sense. It's just one massive in joke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but again, all our films like the day of the year ones that we did in college, an English president, those hoiters and norms. That French one still new slaps. Wave. Our French New Wave <laughs> film still slaps. I swear. <laughs> and I still maintain we never made it, but our idea for Grinsby New Wave would have been a massive hit. <laughs> There's probably still a market for it, you never know. Yeah. But we've we've committed to a podcast instead now. Yeah, so we can't do it. Sorry. The acting in our video was pretty cringe as well, not just the content. Yeah. Drama de- degree, did you say? <laughs> yeah, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Film studies degree, did you say? Film production. Film production, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, back to the film. <laughs> uh, Alvin's there on the floor and in comes the neighbour and then in comes his daughter as well and it's this whole massive commotion. Yeah. No one's trying to help him up or anything like that. No, just leave him on the floor whilst they all talk about it. Yeah, they're all just like panicking and crying and all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite funny really and very much a trademark of David Lynch, this whole like 
there's one person in the scene who seems to be with reality, reality, and you know what's going on while everyone else just yeah. acts absurd. Yeah, but yeah, he's quite a stoic character. This uh, Alvin isn't he? Like he, uh, he's a very stubborn, straight-talking kind of guy. So yeah. he, he's not worried at all the fact that he's collapsed on the ground. No, no, he seems to be okay with it. He just wants to get up. Yeah, yeah. So they are taken to the doctors. Yeah, and is quite reluctant to go. You know, but, he's only doing it because his daughter wished him to. Yeah, and they ask him to uh, strip down to put scrubs on, but he's just like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we get a really cute little scene in the Doctor's where uh, his daughter Rose is talking to um, the, w- the one the, of the staff. The, like, right the, the receptionist there, yeah. Yeah, um, and she's telling the staff member how she builds birdhouses and um, this is her income. She sells them at the local store. Mm. And she... Uh, I didn't notice it in the first scene because Rose doesn't get very many lines, but she's got a very prominent speech impediment. Yes. Um, and it's kind of implied that she's got some kind of mental issue. Yeah. But it's not... Nothing specific. No. Uh, they don't go into any specifics. I mean, to be fair, at first I noticed a slight impediment and it was only when it came to the supermarket scene later on yeah. where she could barely remember past... Uh, two sentences ago in a conversation. Yeah. But they never really dwell on it, but you also get the feeling that the, uh, the reason why Alvin later goes on his road trip is because he's had to stay put yes. to look after his daughter. Yeah, because later on it does mention that he was a bit of a traveller in his past, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. Um, and yeah, and as well, Rose, she's um, she's middle-aged because he's really getting on. Yeah, he's, so he's, I, he's I, a, think, I think he's supposed to be like 80, yeah. 90 at this point because he fought in World War Two. I think he, uh, I think the story is set in 1996. So already 50 plus, however, what, 20, 21, 22. So. Yeah. And we get the doctor come in to give his analysis and basically says that, you know, his hips are giving out He's he's probably got diabetes. His circulation's terrible, and all the smoking he does is probably giving him emphysema as well. Yeah. So he's not looking that good at yeah. the moment. It makes your sniffles over New Year's Eve look a bit. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> not uh, that bad. Yeah, I'll be should listen to a podcast. Preferably hours. You'll feel better then. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm burping a lot tonight. Yeah. And uh, but. Uh, but he doesn't tell his daughter afterwards the real story of what's going on, which is ironic for a film called a straight story. <laughs> yeah, it's called that because his na- last name is Straight, isn't it? It's Alvin Straight. That's right, yes. And he was a re- this is a real story as well, isn't it? Which is something we didn't mention earlier. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, It's all based on a true story. Alvin Straight was a real person. Yeah. Only died a couple of years before his film came out. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he, he doesn't tell his daughter the full extent of his illnesses. No, he just he says just... he'll live to be a hundred. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, then he goes outside to mow the lawn, but the mower blows up, which yeah. he's not happy about. He starts smashing it up. Um, and then he can tell that there's a storm coming in anyway. Yep. So they go inside. There's a really cute little scene where, because him and his him and Rose sit watching the storm mm-hmm. um, and say how they both enjoy it. And there's a really nice shot of we're looking at them, and we can see the rain coming down the windows. I thought it was quite cute. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've got to do something. In fact, I, I don't think the Netflix connection over is going to be that fast. No, so that's it, yeah. We've got to fill the time somehow. Yeah. And whilst they're watching, 
a call comes on the telephone, which Rose goes to answer, and it's um, someone called Bobby, who's saying that, at this point, I couldn't tell what she said, somebody has had a stroke. Yeah, so <laughs> Lyle, uh, who is uh, Alvin's brother, has had a stroke. Yeah, not killed, just had... Just a stroke, we don't yeah. really know how he is. And oh, by the way, he lives bloody miles away. <laughs> yeah, so they live... They, I forget which state that they live in. I think... Iowa. Uh, Alvin lives in Iowa and yeah. uh, Lyle lives in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, yeah. yes. Uh, where that 70s show is made, so it's the yeah. best state in all of uh, America, obviously. Yeah. Of course, of course. <laughs> uh, and I can't remember how far away between two states it is, but you know, because it's America, it's probably going to be a long, long way. Well, Rose says it's 350 miles, mm-hmm. but I think it must be further than that. I don't think she's done the research. Are you getting on Google Maps? Of course I am, yes. <laughs> uh, I've, I've got to check this out now, although it's going to be very... Iowa. The to... town in Iowa was Lawrence. Lawrence. But I don't know where in Wisconsin we're going. Lawrence, Iowa, uh, to Wisconsin. Via the Mississippi. God, do I, do I have to put a step into <laughs> no, it? No, no, you don't. Okay, fine. It is 600 miles. Holy fuck. Yes, and that's just generally Wisconsin. Yeah. Again, there was a really nice shot. As Rose is on the telephone call, the camera stays on um, Alvin's face. Mm. So you see his reaction as he's listening into the phone call. And it's like really subtle the way his face changes from sort of... You see him go from loving the rain to then sort of interested in the conversation to then clearly upset in like a one shot and it works it's really good yeah it is. really good bits of cinematography in this yeah. film which really sets it apart from a lot of the stuff we've done on this podcast so far absolutely yeah <laughs> there is actual thought on how the film looks yes. there isn't a set almost mandated look handed out by some executives no robert a, stevenson and not a gold damn it and not a gold laying duck to be seen for miles around. Ding! <laughs> then, next morning, uh, Rose is on the phone with Bobby again, getting more details, and you can see in the background that he's out on the mower, Alvin. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's got it fixed. Yeah, and this lawnmower isn't the best, isn't in the best condition to begin with. It's, it's old as fuck. Yeah, it's this red rusted heap of shite, basically. You can barely cut the grass. Yeah. Then um, in the evening, we get a shot that doesn't make sense at the time, but then gets called back later, where we see Rose sort of just staring out the window, and a kid goes past with a football uh, that rolls down the street. I forgot about this shot. From watching it this time, or watching it? No, just from watching it this time, yeah. yeah. All right, okay. Because it comes up later. It does, yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Um, and Callbacks. Yeah, the the ball runs into rolls into shot, and then a kid comes and picks it up. Yep. And then the next morning, this is when Alvin's decided he's going to get back on the road to see Lyle. But mm. with the catch, he can't drive. He can't drive. He's not got a driving license, and he's almost legally blind. Yeah, he can't see. Lyle lives in Wisconsin. He's got bad hips. He's yeah. oh, he's seventy three. Because this is the list of reasons that Rose says he can't go. Yep. Um, but his response is just that, well, I'm not dead yet, so fuck you, I'm off. Mm. <laughs> It'd be a long way to go if you're able-bodied. Going by Google Maps, it's nine hours if, if you drive a normal car. Yeah, so he's going to... We don't find out how yet, but... He's got a plan. Yeah, 
And uh, he, this is at this point, Rose suddenly asks what he's building because the whole conversation he's been welding and sawing stuff. Mm. So she wants to know what he's building. And then it's like, never mind that. Um, why don't you, uh, Rose, go buy some sausages? <laughs> well, wieners. Wieners. Lots and lots of wieners. And this is sort of symbolic how shambolic Alvin's plan is in that. <laughs> So he's thinking about where to sleep, and it's going to be revealed in a minute. You know, he's built a, a tent out of how do you describe it? A toe, tarpaulin. Yeah, out of tarpaulin on a tow bloody on a trailer. Trailer, yeah. <laughs> Which he's then going to hook up to the mower. That's right. Yes, and he's going to ride his mower across the country. That's right. And he's thinking like, so, yeah, sustenance. Uh, I know, just loads of wieners. Yeah, nothing loads, but wieners. Loads of hot dogs and what I thought were burgers, but I think it's not. I think it's just packs of like hot dog meat. Like it's uh, smushed up wiener. Yeah. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah, and this, this is when they have a um, Rose has a conversation with the lady on the till, um, mm. where the lady on the till thinks that she's having a party because she's buying all these hot dogs, and there's a bit of confusion because because then Rose thinks that the person on the counter is having a party instead and gets yeah. excited by it. So this is where you kind of see that she's not. The brightest bulb in the box are Rose. But... Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, I think there is some sort of mental difficulty there. Yeah, but again, it's nothing Not specific. Not And, like, it's quite subtle because we see in other shots that she's a, she's well capable of looking after herself yeah. and looking after her dad, and she's good with, you know, she's good with her tools and her hands and stuff. Yeah, so. and there's enough of a community around... Yeah. Of them um, to make sure that she's okay in the meantime when he goes yeah. off, um, which I, I quite like. I think other lesser films would have really dwelled on that fact and really exploited it. Yeah, and I think they just get this perfectly here. Yeah, it's well well balanced, yeah. isn't it? In that, in that there's a reason why he's always stayed in Iowa, but without holding him back from doing what he wants. And we get a bit more backstory about Rose and stuff later on, don't yeah. we? Then we go back to him welding, and that's when we finally see that he's building a trailer. And then he goes back. He's, next shot, he's at the garage um, with his mates, uh, who point out that he's just bought 15 gallons of gas in some tanks. Yeah. So they're asking him what the hell he's doing, and he basically tells them, stop being nosy pricks. <laughs> <laughs> that might. And then uh, scams his mate into selling him his uh, grabber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, does a grabber even come back in again? Yes, it does. Did you even watch this film? I did, yeah. I did, <laughs> I did use it to pick up a hat. No, I'll, I'll tell you later when we get there. Because ri- I've definitely written it down. Oh, I mean, I think I did remember writing Grabber later on. <laughs> Where is it? I'll find you. I trust you, mate. You can show me when we get there. Okay. <laughs> back we go. Uh, yeah, and then we go back home and we see him hooking up the trailer to his tractor. And then in the evening... There's some great little establishing shots through, peppered throughout, and one of them then is um, we see the big uh, grain silos at a farm nearby. Yes, and uh, we can hear the the rumble of um, the grain elevator starting yeah. up, which then they talk about, and it really helps set. You know, these people are in the middle of bumblefuck nowhere. Yeah, like. this is a very different definition to geography because on Cinemortuary, my other podcasts. Sorry, Tim. Uh, uh, Dave always talks about the geography of different locations and how yeah. it's all established. Whereas this is literally 
geography. Yeah. <laughs> there are wide fields. This is what part of the world we're in. This isn't about like set, uh, scene setting. This is literally look at all this. It must be said quite beautiful uh, small town American art. Americana, to be fair. This is this film is the kind of rural America that America sees itself having, whereas everyone else from the outside just sees swivel-eyed Trump-voting lunatics. Banjos, <laughs> shotguns, incest. Zero teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and moonshine. Exactly, yes. <laughs> but this is Disney, so you don't get that. No, you don't. <laughs> Said it's all very beautiful. I think um, this is all American Gothic, I think is the right phrase for this. Yes, that is exactly it, yeah. Yes. Terrible TV show, if you've ever watched American Gothic. I always wanted to, based on that series, because I thought it was going to be like, oh, yeah. I saw the title when I was 13, when I was like really into like, my vampires and all that, or, you know, all my, and I thought, yeah, fucking hell, this is about these supernatural shits, and I never got around to it, but I assume it's just a bunch of people asking about, isn't it? It was fucking awful. <laughs> they, as you say about vampires and stuff, they build it around the same slot as either Buffy or Angel they on did. Sky. Yeah, they did, at yeah. At the time, didn't they? Um, and I think American Gothic was actually a really old series by the time we got it in England. I think mm. it was actually made in the 90s, but was aired in the noughties. And I think they just needed something to fill the slot. And it was... I assumed it would be along the lines of Buffy, or it would be scary, and it was neither. Yeah. It was all very much set up with no payoff. I'm going to have a quick look now. I'm going to quickly describe the TV series, because I genuinely can't remember now what it was about. I mean, it was horror still. I remember it focused on... a. a like a 12-year-old boy. Yeah. Everything is not what it seems in Trinity, South Carolina. Sheriff Lucas Buck, good name, develops a sinister interest in Caleb. What was he, nonsense or something? <laughs> Caleb's cousin, Gail, tries to protect him, but that's complicated since she has feelings for Sheriff Buck. And Caleb's dead sister, Merlin, returns as an angel, warning that Buck is an incarnation of evil or may or may not be human. Spoilers, mate. Is that the whole series, or is I just read out an episode? To be honest, mate, that's I can't even remember what happens in it because I remember being so disappointed by it. I I thought it would be scary, and, and it wasn't. Uh, and I thought it would have like Buffy like, and it just wasn't. No, that's all about right. And uh, Sheriff Buck was a murderous rapist whose power base is backed by apparent supernatural powers. I think Charles Manson's claimed the same thing. Anyway, I think it, if I remember rightly, it was one of those things where the supernatural powers didn't have any law to them at all, and they were all vague and wishy-washy and it's, underdeveloped. So it, so it was close to touched by an angel. Than did you actually see when it was? Did you see when it was actually? Nine ninety-five. See, yeah, yeah. We, we didn't get it until about two thousand and five. That's right. Yeah, it was very late on. Yeah, rubbish. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Straight story. Yeah. So. Um, he buys a grabber. <laughs> yeah, that evening they're chatting whilst they're watching the stars in the sky out in outside, because uh, that's where the stars live. That's <laughs> uh, established in the opening shot. Call back. <laughs> yeah, uh, and Alvin kind of says that he needs to make this trip on his own, so that's why he's doing with the mower and stuff. Mm. Um, Usually in other films, it's like uh, the next scene they come along with him anyway. Yeah. So this, this is time. I think this is the first time in film history where someone says, I'm gonna do this on my own and we actually do do it on their own. But I think because it's real life, so you yeah. have to go with what actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's no animal sidekicks to help them out on this one. Aw. Sorry. I know it's a Disney film, but Ding. <laughs> then next morning 
Um, he's riding the mower through Main Street, and a pack of wild dogs are chasing him. And all, <laughs> of course, and lads, lads, lads have all come out to cheer him on. <laughs> <laughs> Very old lads, lads, lads. Yeah, like, lads, lads, lads. It wasn't until this scene that I realised just how chuffing huge that the trailer actually is that he's made. Like this is tiny little tractor, and this trailer that would look massive being towed behind my car. Like yeah. it's huge. They clearly didn't teach physics in Iowa, did for. No, and he's going rather slow, and then we get our first sort of travel montage. Mm. Uh, we get quite a lot of these in the throughout the film. Um, just some lovely shots of wide open spaces. Yes, lots of agriculture, lots of open skies, and honestly, I found it very calming and soothing. It was. This is one of my main things I really enjoyed about this film this time. Having had such a hectic week this week. Giving myself two hours this morning to sit and watch this very peaceful and calming film has done me wonders. You know what? I'm gonna, I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I watched this film a week later or a week before, I wouldn't have liked it as much as I did. Yeah. Because, bloody hell, I needed a serene film. And can you name me many films that are actually serene in nature without being a glorified uh, screensaver? There isn't many because there's always this need for like conflict and action this, and yeah, drama. Th- this film reminded me of lots of sections of Forrest Gump, but obviously Forrest Gump, you know, bounces around all over the fucking does, place. Yeah, yeah. But in tone and in in, but this, yeah, it's like the. It reminded me. The whole film reminded me of the section in Forrest Gump where he's running. Yeah, in that it's Which, very sort of. Single-mindedly driven, a, a singly-minded driven protagonist out in the big, wide America. Yeah. Uh, two uh, things about Forrest Gump. Firstly, I bloody hate that film. <laughs> I know you've said this before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, secondly, at the time when this came out, this film basically got buried alive because one critic uh, reviewed this film by just saying Forrest Gump on a tractor. Yeah, which I, I think can is, see. I can see why. Yeah. It's very unfair, though. I think so, yeah, because they are very different films. They are. And very much different tone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, It's not pro-fascist, for one. No, that's true, yeah. So a few notes I made up on the first montage that he... (laughs) We figure out how... Because I was wondering how he was going to cook his hot dogs most of the time, and we (laughs) actually see him just reach in the back of his trailer and just pull out a raw hot dog and munch on it. Yeah. Uh, So it turns out he's just going to be raw dogging it all the time. To be fair, in my car I have a bag of crisps just in case. I would, like, like a six pack. You never know. I'd have the box of uh, hot dogs on the motor. Just <laughs> keep them warm. <laughs> yeah, but after you cook them, though, you can't eat them then. Because you say you have to commit yourself to eating it then. That's true. Yeah. Um, then there's one scene where an 18 wheeler flies past and he loses his hat. Yeah. So he has to get off and put it back on. Mm. And again, some brilliant sartorial choices from this guy because he was wearing a wallet chain at this point, I noticed. Mm. So uh, I think he must be listening to Corn whilst he's... Uh... <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> whilst he's driving around, he's got his <laughs> headphones in, listening to Linkin Park and... He's literally getting dang with a sickness. <laughs> um, Alvin's favourite podcast episode of any podcast ever would be your pick a disc about Limbiscuit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, Did you know chocolate starfish or hot dog flavoured water is 20 this year? Is it? Yes. Well, Alvin uh, likes hot dog flavoured water anyway. He does, yeah. Because <laughs> he's raw dog in it. Uh, yeah. 
Then the mower stops and won't start up again. So a bus. Oh, can I have one more biscuit pun before we move on? Go on then. So he keeps rolling, rolling, rolling. <laughs> <laughs> do you know? Do you know why I really needed this film to calm me down, Chris? <laughs> why is that? Because hate is all the world has even seen lately. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the only time you will ever hear me quote Limp Biscuit on this podcast. DJ Hemmen, take us to the Mississippi Bridge. <laughs> that was a very um, red wine laugh that I just it did. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that kind of week. I'm on the wine tonight. Mm. Why was it? It's on his sixth bottle, listeners. <laughs> God, I wish. So, yeah, the mower stops. Um, luckily, a bus of old biddies is going past at the time, yep. so um, they give him a lift um, to the grotto, which is obviously a local landmark that then he can get a lift back into town. Mm. But as he gets on the bus, all these biddies are on heat, and they're yes. all like staring at him and going, Ooh! How long was that coach trip for him to be <laughs> <laughs> wanting to get off on? So, um, yeah. So then he gets the lift back. Back into his, his hometown. hometown. Yeah. yeah. So we obviously didn't get far. No, he must have made it because it was supposed to be like right, oh, five miles away and he didn't even get past that sign really. So no. he's maybe made it two, three miles. We transport Out him. Out of back. how many? 650. 600, yeah. Right. So not even a hundredth of a way through and he's already back in town. And uh, then uh, the next day, like uh, Rose is there, I think she's just in the kitchen uh, with the next door neighbour. Who isn't from Teen Angel? <laughs> and uh, Alvin just casually walks through with his shotgun and uh, literally blows up the mower. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Yes, good lad." <laughs> um, and then the next scene, he goes to a local uh, tractor dealer, yep. a John Deere dealer, yep. uh, and buys a '66 John Deere tiny, tiny little tractor. Yeah, which is technically still a lawnmower. It's still got a mower attachment. Uh, did you notice who the salesman was? No, I didn't. It's Ed from Twin Peaks. I was going to say, I'm sure it'll be someone from Twin Peaks. Of course it is, We yes. get our mate um, Angel from Christmas later on, don't we? We do, yes. Yeah, God. From uh, one, 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 one harrowing Christmas. Yes. <laughs> that film set a tone for my Christmas, really. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. He could have, like, picked... Well, you literally couldn't have picked Jingle away. That's not in the rules. Was that not? No, it wasn't Disney. It was wasn't it? Disney. No, no, that was Fox. No, you couldn't have picked something a bit more cheerful to set the tone, could you? We watched the Santa Claus this Christmas as well. I don't know if that was much better, to be honest. I, I remember it being better than it was. I, I I can't go through them again. Tim Allen just does my head in that these days. Yeah, I used to I love used to, Home Improvement. Yeah. I feel like I liked Home Improvement despite Tim Allen, though. Like, I don't think he was the best part of it. I think I liked Home Improvement because I didn't understand the sexual politics of Home Improvement back then. No, that's very true. <laughs> I enjoyed seeing only the top half of people's heads when I was a kid, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, then we get back on the road. Another 18-wheeler goes on this new tractor, obviously. Yeah. Um, another 18-wheeler goes past and you get a cute little shot of him like... Pulling his hat right down, so it's yeah, not going yeah, like to Just on. bobbing down a bit like a turtle and coming yeah. back up again. This film is a lot of very quick little Segments. beautiful moments yeah, that happen. Uh, yeah. 
Um, lots of set up things set up earlier in the film, and it's just yeah. it's nice. And just to note, this tractor is basically the same size as the other one. It's just a bit newer, yeah, and, and a bit more high powered than the other one. He hasn't like bought a massive tractor to take him along his way. He's still very much just one man who looks almost too big for the tractor driving along. Yeah. But at least it's a bit... Oh, and that's the other thing. This tractor was from 1966, so it's still not even like a brand new one. No, right? it's not, no. Because he's only used his savings. Um, and then on the first evening, what does he do, Chris? He eats a wiener. Before no, that? No, so... Come just... on, Chris, you can do it. I've got the note here. I feel like I'm missing a massive pun here, aren't I? Before he cooks the wiener, what does he have to do? We well, well, don't pick up a hitchhiker. No. He picks up some firewood with... Me. The Grabber! Oh, there it is. <laughs> Did I write down Grabber then? Nope. Oh, there you go. But then, yeah, next day that he goes past a hitchhiker who's thumbing it um, and... As cars go past, and then it's a teenage girl, and she takes one look at him and puts the thumb away. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Looks kind of worried. Yeah. Um, more more uh, jean cuff jealousy from me, because she had some pretty good cuffs on her jeans as well. It's all very, <laughs> it's all very 90s. Just going to be, you're not going to be able to walk next week for all the cuffs around your ankles. I've always, I've always got cuffs anyway. No. I've got really short legs. Stubby. Yeah, I am. I'm, weirdly, I'm average height for a guy, but my legs are short, so I must have a really long body. <laughs> and that's, that... that's a fact about me. <laughs> Is this where we bring back the fact stool? <laughs> no, no, not the fact stool. Lipstick is made of lips. <laughs> Splice him out that whole segment. Go on, Tim. You know you want to. I do. Friends is now sponsored by Radox. Lipstick isn't made of lips! <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah, she, she's like, I'm not letting my old man pick me up. So she's afraid of being nonced in that way, but not afraid of being nonced in more official vehicle ways. That's been established. <laughs> yeah. So he's there at night time getting the campfire, cooking his wieners. Yeah. And she turns up and basically says, yeah, no one wanted to pick me up. Like, well, yeah, no wonder. Yeah. Not really appreciating what you've been given. And then... So she's given his wiener. <laughs> yeah, he gives her... His a, wiener. A, his wiener. <laughs> and uh, she... Burns it. Yeah. She sticks his wiener in the fire. Yeah. I mean, saws it whole. <laughs> uh, they have a really cute discussion. Um, we get some backstory about Alvin himself, mm. and we hit. He figures out without her saying that she's basically run away because she's pregnant. And, yeah. Um, but she hasn't told anyone. They don't even realise she's run away yet. Yeah. And she sort of doesn't know what to do. And basically, he spends the whole conversation talking about family yeah. and saying how you know how important family is to him. Mm. And uh, one of the things that he mentions is how when he was teaching his grandkids and his kids, yeah. um, he used to set give them the game of 
trying to break a stick and them seeing how easy it was. But if you put a bundle of sticks and tie them together, you can't snap it because... And he says that's a metaphor for family. Yes, that's right, yeah. And then the next morning when he wakes up, um, she's already left, but she's left a bundle of sticks. So you can kind of assume she's gone back home. That's right, yeah. And uh, It's just lovely. Absolutely lovely. Yeah. I mean, this is what the film consists a lot of. There's a lot of Alvin giving stories, but again, in other films, it'll cut away, it'll show other scenes, it'll keep that pace up and uh, quite frantic, whereas here, it's literally just him telling the story. This whole bloody script writing rule, for example, show not tell, this literally turns on his head and I think is all the more better for it. Yeah, because... Everyone loves a good campfire story. Yeah, they and do. This film is just daytime montage followed by campfire story through and through. Like each section, it's it be, it becomes quite formulaic in a way. But that's road movies tend to be formulaic in that sense yeah. anyway. Um, but yeah, it's it's lovely. Mm. But I think what it does well is it'll as Alvin's telling people about himself. Yes, it's telling rather than showing but often it links to a very subtle visual that we've seen earlier in the film yeah and so it helps you understand what you've seen earlier Mm -hmm. which is really clever writing it is yeah and really clever uh filmmaking in general so next day he's driving along and it's quite rainy yeah and as luck would have it as the rain starts getting heavier and heavier he comes across a barn and it's like open up a hill, so he manages to get drive up the hill, uh, drive underneath it just before everything starts. You know, the thunder starts cracking. Yeah, and it really pisses it down. Yeah, and then we get more of a sort of montage of the next couple of days. Then um, he's passed by a whole bicycle race. Mm, don't know about that. In the middle of nowhere, like hundreds of people. Mm, cyclists. Don't you like them? No. <laughs> As he gets to the finish line, they've they're camping. So it's it must be like being a race that's been done in sections maybe or Yeah, it's a sort of like fair version of a Tour de France, but it's yeah. a bit more of a fun. They like go to different locations, they they ride there, they camp there, then they move along. But it gives an another chance for for the evening to be spent talking to Alvin around the campfire. That's right, yeah. And then this time it's all supposed to be lots of uh, young, hip dudes. Yeah. Which they all look about 45. I mean, I won't go that far, but I just find it really funny, this stereotypical view, or character of, like, the jock in films. Who's throwing a ball around. Yeah, and, and here we have, and we're all a bunch of bros, and... In other films, it'd be like, fuck you, old man. Yeah. Whereas here, it's just like, no, please tell us more. And again, it's just lovely. And the whole conversation that evening is sort of about the process of getting old. Because yes. obviously, it's, he's old, everyone else is young. Yeah. And it's so, lovely. Yeah, so he says about, uh, the good thing about uh, getting old is like, uh, when you get older, you find the ability to let the small stuff fall away and, you know, have yeah. that ex- because you've got all that experience. And, but, the uh, bad thing about getting old is that you remember how you were once young. Yeah. And then we get back on the road with some more montage, which is always great. Yeah. Um, then then and, he's witness to a car crash. Yeah, so here's the action scene. Does this class as a 
car chase? No. No, no, it doesn't. No, so a car chase consists of two or more vehicles. You should know this, Tim. Does a deer class as a vehicle? No, it's an animal. It's a vehicle for various license ticks. Unless it's like a vehicle for its soul. (laughs) There you go, yeah. Aren't we all just vehicles, Chris? Yeah, so this is quite a funny bit where uh, there's this woman that's absolutely freaking out because she's hit 13 deer in seven weeks on this stretch of road. Yeah. Uh, I just find this bit funny because, again, it's directed by David Lynch and in other films it would do a massive, probably do a massive zooming into like the deer's gaping eye hole or something (laughs) like that. (laughs) When I saw this dead deer, I was like, oh, very Lynchian. (laughs) He doesn't dwell on it but at no, the same time I was like but, but normally he would and there'd be the gore and all that lot and he was very restrained yeah and and it show the car crashed into it here was uh, the actual it, crash is off screen isn't it is it? yes because uh, at first you think it's between two cars because I think there's two vehicles that pass yeah before it happens but it's sort of like a bit of a red heaven yeah because like uh, the other one's just well disappeared so whatever mm-hmm and yeah, we have this woman here who's hysterical, going on a rant about how she has to drive down this road for work. She has no choice. It's forty miles there. It's forty miles back, and she's hit seven. Um, she's hit thirteen deer in seven weeks. <laughs> but yeah, there's no indication why they pop up. There's no warning that we do, but we just do. We always hit her. But there's a. It's a pretty funny scene in general. But then she she runs drives off. Whilst leaving the deer just absolutely right slap bang in the middle of the road. Yeah. So Alvin kicks it a little bit and then we jump cut to him uh, eating venison for his tea. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yep, yeah, good lad. Yeah. Must be a, getting bored of wieners by this point. A Bambi to defend him. <laughs> and then in the next shot in the daytime, he's put the antlers on the front of his trailer as well. Yeah. <laughs> Very American yes. of him. Yes. Uh, and then, can you imagine doing that over here with a badger? <laughs> we've we've had badgers in our garden this year. Oh, very nice. Apparently, yeah. they're really bad for your garden, though. They can start tearing it to pieces and stuff. Oh yeah, apparently that's doing monsters. Not literally the size of them as well, but if you yeah. approach them in one way, they can be quite vicious. We've got we've had foxes at the bottom of the garden for years, so we're, I'm waiting for the night where we get to watch fox versus badger. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, they get along quite well. That's all right. Then. We're worried about. If the badgers are still around in the summer, because in the summer Daisy sleeps outside quite often. Oh, okay, yeah. So uh, that could be a bit of an issue. She oh. get Daisy gets on all right with the foxes because, well, she has to, and yeah. she's had years of having to. Same colour. <laughs> yeah, the the few times I've seen Daisy and the foxes out at the same time, Daisy has always been asleep and had no clue they were there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, then we get a shot. We get to a small town before Alvin does at this point, don't we? Because yeah, we, um, we see this group of uh, locals that are watching the fire department who are practicing um, by setting a house on fire yeah. and then putting it out, this old house that's apparently an eyesore. But the, some of the locals have come out with their lawn furniture to sit and watch, haven't they? Of course. Um, Again, the Netflix connection is going to be absolutely useless first so you've <laughs> yeah. got to do something set house on fire yeah then it's we we see alvin passing a sign that also says that there's a steep hill coming yeah so having my own ride on lawn mower 
I was very aware. I I knew what this meant because lawnmowers in general do not have brakes at all. No. Because you're supposed to use your clutch and your gears for slowing down because most of the time you're usually on a flat surface. Yeah. I was going to say, I thought you were about to say, and you've had experiences of this. It's like, bloody hell, the most we have hills here is on literally Isaac's Hill, which is, in terms of gradients, you know, not, not bug, massive, is it? Bug all compared to, like, I know, <laughs> Sheffield, Lincoln, places like that, so... Fucking Lincoln. I hate going to Lincoln, because mm. it's, like, vertical, isn't it? It is, yeah. There's a, there's a street in Lincoln, just literally called Steep Hill. <laughs> right, and you think, yes, that is quite a steep hill. It is, is indeed. It's that one with all the cobbles on as well? Yeah. It's just to fucking troll you. So if you fall over, you're dead. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Yeah, so um, his tractor obviously ends up run, running away with him, and he's speeding down the hill. Yeah, fastest he's ever been. I think yeah. at this point, a whole fifteen miles per hour. <laughs> but he manages to control it and stops it at the bottom of the hill. And the yeah. locals are like, "Oh, are you okay?" Um, and he said, "Like, and in a massive coincidence, the guy that comes over to him also apparently used to work for." John Deere, the tractor people. Yes, for 30 I, years. I wonder how much John Deere paid to get in this film. In in America, you don't actually have to pay. I think the rules are a lot different over here, but over there you can just mention it. Right. It's, although I think um, John Deere over there is synonymous with lawnmowers as it is over here. Yeah. How, how we call vacuum cleaners Hoovers. Yeah. Even though we obviously Hoovers just a brand name. Rhydons are a lot more popular in America because all their gardens are so fucking huge, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whereas here, you'd be lucky to get a tiny square yeah. in the middle of a council estate. And if you have got masses of garden like me, you really wish you didn't because it's a fucking nightmare to keep sorted. Mm. I hate our garden. I hate gardens. I'd much rather just have a concrete, like, yard. Yeah. But anyway. Gonna live on the mean streets of Brayton Avenue or something, eh? <laughs> yeah. This is getting rather niche now. Yeah. Hello to our listeners in Grinsby and Cleethorpe. Fucking first world problems guy over yeah. here. Oh dear, my garden's too big. Yeah. yeah. Hello to Grace, I think that's about it. I get my mum to listen sometimes as well. Hi oh, mum. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah. My dad still will ask me uh, how to listen to a podcast. This is after I literally installed the podcast app on his iPad, yeah. subscribed him to our podcast and showed him how to access it. But um, he left his iPad around the other day, so I had a check and he's never listened to us. <laughs> but I think that's probably for the best. Yeah. Hi, Tim's dad. He wouldn't get on with it. No. Yeah, so his drive belt and his transmission's gone on his tractor. Um, and at this point, he tells... They ask him how long he's been on the road because obviously they say... He tells them where he's from. And mm-hmm. to get to this point, he's been on the road for five weeks. Yes. One thing I was thinking at this point is, I get why he's doing it. I get these. it's going to take him a long time. But if my brother had had a stroke, I would be concerned that I've been on the road for five weeks. He could be dead by now. You'd think he'd try and check in at some point, wouldn't you? Yeah. And as far as we're aware... I don't think he, he ever uses he, the phone apart from this one instance. He starts checking up slightly now, but he's already quite deep into the journey. Yeah. Well, well, you would check at some point. Yeah. But then the um, the guy from John Deere, he says that he can camp on his lawn if he wants and use the bathroom in the garage. Mm. And I was like, 
Oh, how generous are you? Like, I'm sure he's got a sofa inside he could have stayed on. I mean, <laughs> it's a lot nicer than, could you imagine, again in Grimsby, could you imagine trying to get that sort of hospitality? Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. You'd probably get robbed. Yeah, and worse. To be honest, I think he pegs Alvin for the kind of guy he is. Alvin wouldn't have gone in, but it just, it's just funny that that's what he offers rather than yeah. start with inside be refused and then work down. I just think it's funny. Mm. We see the next day, we see a shot of Alvin checking his cash in his wallet and he ain't got very much. I think it was $3, wasn't it? Something like that, yeah. yeah. So he borrows the telephone from um, this John Deere guy whose name I've forgotten. Danny. Danny, okay. Um, So that he can call Rose and ask for her to send him his social security check because obviously he's going to need it to pay for... The damages. That's right. Yep. And this is when Danny and his wife are having a chat in the co- in the kitchen and decide that they would be happy to drive him the rest the, of the way. Rest of the way, which they say is going to be half a day, so it's just yep. to me is about two hundred miles out at this point. Yeah. Going by what Google Maps says, anyway. Yeah. But before they can even make the, that first offer, uh, Alvin finishes the phone call. And he leaves three dollars for three dollars he has left beneath the phone, you yeah, because it's paid for. I guess he counts the long distance phone call Iowa to Wisconsin, I suppose. Mm, yeah, yeah. And then uh, they're talking about the local repair guys, <laughs> and I thought this was pretty funny unintentionally because he's like, "Well, I've talked to the Olsen twins, and they'll <laughs> and it'll cost you two hundred and fifty dollars." Oh shit. Pulled my headphones out. Oh dear. Can't take you anywhere. It's because I'm karate yeah. kicking around. There we go. It'll cost you $250 and a sparkling new dress. <laughs> I just, yeah. Hey, I just had your... this image of the, the Olsen twins yeah. turning up and like. Hey, what was your favourite Mary Kate and Ashley uh, game on the PlayStation? Mine was uh, Magical Mystery Mall. <laughs> I never had a pay- PlayStation, so I never had any. Um, well, okay, fair enough. I do remember a weird film. I think they lived in Paris. And, they did. And they tried to get their dad married or some shit. I remember that film because at the end, it was very much an American ideals imposing other countries where they berated them for constantly drinking out bottled waters instead of sorting out their tap system so they can drink <laughs> properly from taps. Right. Which, considering if you think about what's going on in Flint, Michigan, and has been for the past 10 years, <laughs> is hilarious. <laughs> Thanks, Mel Kate, Ashley. Why don't you go there instead? Still no clean water. Still no, no clean water. <sighs> the fucking world, Chris. Eh. <laughs> to be honest, we probably won't be alive when this podcast is supposed to air. It might, might air to the cockroaches if I've already synced it up. We might all be dead. Eh. <laughs> Uh, back, back to Americana, back to safe middle America. Yes. Where um, nothing ever goes wrong. Yeah. They... <clears throat> then an old guy comes over from the day before. All right, so, yeah. Um, so before getting his tractor repaired, he goes into the bar. Yeah. And he's just having a glass of milk because yeah. it turns out he's had a bit of a drinking problem. From being in over, the war. Over years, yeah, because uh, basically, well, 
PTSD, yeah. shell shock, and yeah. everything from being in World War Two. And him and the this other guy, they basically just share some really tragic war stories, yeah. don't they? And it's again, it's very quiet. It's very, it's just a very simple camera work. But the acting in this is just spot on. Yeah, I mean, as we said, uh, Richard Farnsworth, who is Alvin in this film does an impeccable job considering he had really bad cancer at this point. Yeah. And he had uh, committed suicide about a year later after this film was released because he was in, he was in so much pain uh, yeah. from his disease and it was already very much in the midst of it here. And to command the sort of performance that he does here is really exceptional. Yeah. And I think he got nominated for an Oscar, but he should have won it. Absolutely, like I think pretty much everyone in this film, it's it's so naturalistic acting. It is, yeah. If you told me it was a fly on the wall documentary, I'd nearly believe you because it's so everything is very matter of fact and just nobody's playing it for laughs or over the top or anything like. Yeah. It's just it's about as close as you can get for um, for being able to tell a story. In a way where, if you're able to like stick, I don't know if it was like a camera in front of us now, and we didn't know it, and we just start acting our normal everyday lives, it'd be good acting because there's no yeah pressure of being an actor, there's no script, there's nothing like that. It's all naturalistic. Yeah, and I think here in scenes like this, it's about as close as you can get to that. Yeah, this is again. I've mentioned it on this podcast before, but I think Tommy Turgoose the local Grimsby actor from This Is England, I think he's one of the best actors in the country mm. because you never see him fucking act. No. He just seems like a chavvy Grimsby tosser in everything he's in. Yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've known a million of these people, like, they, and he's exactly as naturalistic as you could possibly be. Yeah. And loads of people watch that and think, oh, Tommy Turgis is a shit actor. But when you when you know a bit about acting, you're like, it, it takes so much work to make it look like you're not acting. Yeah. <laughs> Just to go back on to my point about him being nominated for an Academy Award, do you know who won that year? Who? It was Kevin Spacey. Oh, yeah. fucking hell. Moving on. <laughs> the uh, thing about the scene, it's a bit talked about memories and such, and the, his point at the end is... As he he's uh, and he's like growing older, and he can physically see he's growing older, but in his memory, all the buddies that he lost in the war, all the faces are still young. Mm. Very poignant, considering we might be going to war this very week. They'll be fine. <laughs> if they get the tractor working again, yeah, the Olsen twins turn up dressed as the Mario Brothers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The uh, Super Mario Brothers Super Show, sort of. <laughs> yeah, that, that level of... Uh, yeah, the Captain Lou Albano. Yeah. Former wrestler, former wrestling manager. There you go, that's my wrestling reference. <laughs> and, so he must have broken the kayfabe to then turn up as Super Mario. He did break kayfabe, yes. The, the kayfabe was broken. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Not allowed to do that. No. Even not. I know that. Yeah. Not allowed to do Breaking that. Breaking the illusion, how yeah. dare you. So the bill for repairing the tractor comes to two hundred forty-seven dollars eighty cents. But he manages to talk them down, doesn't That's he? That's right, because the wheels aren't brand new; they're just in good condition. 
Um, there's the twenty percent of Bickering that he wants taken off as well, and <laughs> and also about the oil. So he, he manages to knock it down to a smooth one hundred and eighty dollars. That's what I managed to do with my car today this week. I managed to uh, get two tires free. Oh, fancy! Proper Pirelli ones as well. Basically, the re- the reason the second tire on the car burst when Kirsty was in her accident was because when the recovery guy went and looked at it, the whole outer wall of the tire had uh, perished and was all cracked. Right. Okay. So we went. I'm only two weeks before I'd had my major service and they'd never mentioned it to me, and I only bought the car off them with those tires nine months ago. Oh yeah. Okay. So, so I went in was like, "What are you playing at?" Yeah. Oi, you dickhead! You so I, fuckers. So I managed to get two free tires out of it. Anyway, then and uh, he also gives a quick story about brothers bickering. Yeah. Which obviously this directly relates. This is where we get the first clue that actually um, things between Alvin and Lau and all plain sailing. Yeah. Uh, as we'll quickly find out. They've not seen each other for years and years and years. They had this massive falling out. Yeah. Never reconciled. And then off he pops, back on the road. Yep. Another montage, including the crossing of the Mississippi, which has been referenced a few times by this point. Exactly. Um, And he looks pretty happy to have managed to get there. And this evening he camps out um, at the edge of a cemetery and the priest comes out with a plate of tea trying to feed him up, Mm. which was very nice of him. But... Basically, Alvin asks him to sit with him instead, and we get another campfire chat. Yes. Um, the priest has seen Al- uh, Alvin's brother Lyle recently, um, when he and he heard about the stroke, um, but Lyle had never mentioned that he had a brother. Yeah, that's right. Um, and this is where we learn, yeah, that they're a bit estranged as brothers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, a lovely little conversation between these two characters. Uh, it's like a beautiful uh, just little story about how Alvin and Lau used to camp out during the summer yeah. and the things they used to do as kids. Yeah. Then the next day, they he goes to what looks like a gas station slash bar. Mm. So I think there's like a gas pump outside, but he goes into the bar, has a, his first beer in years. I mean, For reasons. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he never says that he's like a full-on alcoholic, so it's not like... No, I don't think it's going to be like, I have no brother, or anything like that. <laughs> I think it's just a case that he stopped at one point because it was tearing apart his relationships. He just stopped and he just started again. Yeah. Just a bit of the old uh, Dutch courage before he sees his brother because he's, he knows he's pretty close now. You know, He's literally, yeah. what, one or two miles away, if that. Yeah, or it could be seen... I. I the way I kind of read it, which could be wrong, is obviously when he says that he doesn't drink earlier on, it's because he's got a lot of conflict in him. And I think maybe the act of having the beer is supposed to kind of symbolise the fact that he's got quite a clear head now. And yes. maybe he's feeling a lot more positive in general. Yeah, so that's right. he doesn't feel conflicted and has himself a beer. Asks for directions to Lyle's place. Mm. Just as he's nearly round the corner, his engine gives out again. Yeah, like literally a corner. But Big Daddy Tractor comes down and <laughs> yeah. uh, shows him how to get it going again. Because mm. um, we think at first it's just broken down, but it turns out it's probably just stalled it. Yeah, or well, he doesn't quite know how to run it. Because it's quite a bit of a steep gradient going up as well. Yeah, so this other guy comes and helps him out. 
And he finally gets to Lyle's, and it is literally just a run-down wooden shack. Yeah. No bigger than this room, pretty mm-hmm. much. And he shouts Lyle's name. And out comes our mate Angel Pants from One Magic Christmas. Yes, Harry D. Stanton. Yeah. Who, Here again. Who got top billing for this film. He did. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Lyle's dialogue. Three. I think he, he has four. two actual lines, and then he says uh, Alvin a couple of times. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, he was the name. There wasn't any names in this yeah. film, but yeah, he was the recognisable one. He comes out of the door in like a dirty dressing gown and a Zimmer frame. Yeah. And my first thought was that he looks more like an angel now than he did in One, <laughs> one Magic Christmas. Yeah, I, I had that thought as well. It, incredible, isn't it? He actually looked like a nice person in this. He, he was acting like a pleasant person. He looked approachable. <laughs> yeah. He didn't look like he was about to do the nonsense. No. But they sit down together basically say fuck all to each other yeah. it's just silence and then we cut back to stars well Harry Dean Stanner's, like looks at the tractor looks at the trailer and says you came all the way to see me. you came all the way you drove this here all the way to just see me and he said yep yeah. then like Leah literally cuts up to the stars and that's the end of the film and we get finally in memory of Alvin Strait 1920 to 1996 that's right yes and that was for straight story. Yeah. So, final thoughts already. Yeah. Only an hour and quarter, but I knew it would... Having seen it, I was like, this isn't going to take long to talk about. It's not, no, because it's one of those where there's not that much detail in a good way. It, yeah. It, it flew by very nicely. Um, I mean, I'll give my thoughts now. I mean, as I said earlier on I watched when when I first saw this film I didn't really like it because I watched it quite late on into my mouth and David Lynch films I'd, and I had this certain idea of what David Lynch was as a film director and I thought this was him sort of selling out in a way right. even though he would then go straight back onto Warhol and Drive which is uh, a bit incomprehensible and Inland Empire which is very incomprehensible it's the most incomprehensible film I've ever seen actually and I just wondered why he made it and I thought this was just him trying to prove to critics who you forget these days because like the likes of that Twin Peaks series that came out were received so well you, fe- you forget critics shat on Dave Lynch from a great height all the way back to Blue Velvet yeah, you know the likes of Roger Ebert hated his work all along, but then when it came to Straight Start, they all suddenly loved it because it was a lot more conventional. And it feels like Oscar bait in in some ways, um, that, and that's what I thought at first. Watching it back now, it, it's definitely not Oscar bait. That's for sure. I think it's actually quite a brave film for David Lynch to make because he is deliberately moving away from his other style and doing something completely different. And as I grow older, I sort of respect people more who try and go out of their comfort zone yeah. instead of doing the same thing over and over again. And he certainly did that, you know, and he was so successful at it that I sort of wish he did a couple more films that were a bit more straightforward like this. Yeah. Um, and yeah and so 
first time, hated it. This time, absolutely, I, I loved it. You know, it it was such an easy watch. It was fantastic. Yeah. I think as well, this film just came up the right time uh, when I was watching it. I needed something serene because uh, things have been a bit chaotic recently, uh, like work and all that lot. And it, it, I just needed this film when it came along, and it came along at the right time. So I appreciated it a lot more. I imagine if I went back and watched this film at like 60, 70 years old, which we'll see if I remember, um, <laughs> it, it'll, I'll probably watch it again with a different perspective and find it quite devastating. Yeah. You know, because at that point I have grown old, everything was here. I've, I'm still quite young, even though I don't feel it. Um, so while it was a bit devastating, I've still got a whole life ahead of me, you hope. <laughs> um, so yeah, a great film. Just just a brilliant film. What did you think, Tim? I feel like we were both in the same boat this week because I've, I've had just, as I say, it's only Wednesday and I've had such a hectic week already. Um, so first thing this morning, got up, had my breakfast did all the bits that I needed to do and then sat down, watched this film for two hours and it absolutely flew by and I absolutely needed it. Mm. It was so calm and serene. Everything is so purposeful and efficient even though we're look, we're talking about these massive scenes where nothing in particular is happening and it's yeah. quiet but it's all very deliberate and perfectly paced. As you say, like considering it's one of the longer films we've watched it flew by I was able to watch it in one go um, the audio stuff like the the music and everything was perfect for what it was representing mm. the acting was exactly what was required for this film I think it's the kind of film where it could have gone in so many other ways with worse or misplaced direction mm -hmm. so like it could easily have been overdone and made it into like a forest gump yeah like it could have been hammed up to to the high heaven and then it would have not worked in the same way i wonder if that's what walt disney wanted mate they probably did they probably put it all together to be a, a forest gump and it yeah. was very good of lynch to keep it as controlled as he did yeah um no actually i tell a lie Disney picked it up after it had already been completely produced because it was at the Cannes Film Festival. Right. Lynch, Lynch independently funded it mm. and then Disney picked it up afterwards. So they did. maybe that's why it works even for a Disney film is because it hasn't had any kind of... You know, they haven't had any committees to decide how it's going to go. It's no. all very focused. Quite bold them, really, to pick a film up like that. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially under the Walt Disney name as well, because yeah. you'd have thought, I can't remember if they'd already bought me Max or what, but they could have labelled it differently. Yeah, it's very Disney in the sense that it's there's no content warnings, you know, there's no swearing, there's no violence or anything like no. that. So a kid could technically watch it, but this is very much for an adult audience, mm -hmm. isn't it? They finally achieved it, they finally made a film for adults. Yeah. Um, but then as well... It, it could have gone in Forrest Gump territory. Could have gone the other way and gone really shit and ended up like a Hallmark movie. Like, oh yeah, it could have gone that way. Um, so, 
I, I found it really. I knew it. I would find it difficult to talk about in the sense that nothing really fun that I can make fun of happens because I respected the whole process. Yeah. Perfectly. So. <laughs> I'm so, thank you so much for introducing me to the straight story. Uh, you're welcome. To be fair, I didn't think, oh yeah, this would be a really good film, because like I said, I didn't like it the first time. Uh, so this has literally surprised me more than anything. Good. So, in terms of gems then? Yeah, okay. Um, I'll go first. I'll give it a nine. Yeah? I think there's... Been, it's, it's a very rare group of films that deserve a whole ten. I, I yeah, say so it, it's it's a brilliant film. It really is. I can see why, like on Letterboxd, there's a list of like the highest rated Disney films, Disney live action films ever, and this is number one. Yeah, I can. It's so easy to see why people think this way. There's probably a couple more films that are more fun than this. Uh, hence why I'll probably go for nine in the context of this podcast. But yeah, brilliant overall. Yeah. How about you, Tim? Well, in the context of this podcast, not only was it perfectly made and clearly does exactly what it wanted to, Mm. but also it's kind of a hidden gem for a David Lynch film. It's a hidden gem as a Disney film. Yeah. So I've got to give it a 10. Yeah, fair enough. I've got to say, yeah, we finally actually done the remake of our film, of our, of our podcast. This, I think we have to kind of stop now. Hey! <laughs> no, <I'm> kidding. <laughs> we found the hidden gem. We've right? completed the, the podcast. I don't think anything, I don't see how anything is going to fit the remit as well as this film. I don't, you'll have to get into, <laughs> you'll have to dig into Walt Disney's vault or something to find that one. Yeah. But that puts it at number two on our all-time leaderboard, mm. um, because that gives it 19, whereas yep. Cool Runnings had 19 and a half. Indeed, yeah. But then it also puts it a whole point higher than Island of the Top of the World. So sure. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, but bear in mind, because this is the start of year two now, technically. Yes, so we're going to start a second leaderboard as well. So the leaderboard has just started the best film we're going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to take some beating. Oh, well. <laughs> Never mind. So, Tune in next year when we start another new leaderboard and maybe some tension next year. <laughs> yeah. So we've kind of kept it quiet, but we've got, hopefully, quite a very special episode next fortnight, we haven't do. we? Mm-hmm. So having made a new friend on Instagram over the last couple of months, we're going to hopefully, for our next episode have a guest who works for Disney. Yeah. In quite a prominent role. Yeah. He was the director of the 2011, 2011 Winnie the Pooh movie, as well as the Disney film Meet the Robinsons. Mm. Stephen J. Anderson is going to be joining us, and he has asked us to be a, on our podcast, which is just absolutely mental. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's someone that prominent Disney is... Listen to us, so yeah. We found each other because I've been liking a few of his pictures, just not realising who I was liking. He did a picture of um, Pete's Dragon, uh, Elliot from Pete's Dragon, dressed as Pete, which was pretty funny. And then he started liking some of my pictures. Then we were chatting, saying how... Because I was saying how much I liked his pictures, and then he talked about our podcast. Because he's a massive fan of this kind of 
weird era of Disney where it wasn't doing great and all the 70s and 80s stuff. Mm. So he's actually writing a book about it, apparently. So he has asked if he can come on our podcast. And the film that he has picked for us to watch is called Baby Secret of the Lost Legend. Can't say I've heard of it. (laughs) No, I hadn't heard of it. All I know is pretty much the title of the film. And it's not very much to go on because it's just a jumble of words. It's just word soup. Yeah, it's like a generic adventure game. It is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a Lucasfilm point and click. It does, yeah. 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 So, yeah. I, ca- I still can't believe it. I know. It should be a good one. It well, be- I mean, I hope it's I hope a good it's one. A good un- I, I hope, hope the film's happen- a good one. I hope it happens. <laughs> we'll see. We might have to delete this if not. Speaking to him uh, today, as I said to you earlier, like it sounds like he may actually be recording with us from Disney Studios itself. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have to be on our best behaviour. Yeah. Uh, Before like Donald Duck yells him to get back to work. Yeah. Just be ready to make shitloads of promotional images for us to uh, yeah. promote. Okay, this. fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's not airing for a few months. You've got time. Yeah. Okay, so where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at KidSwole on Twitter. That's Swole, S-W-O-L. How about you, Tim? You can find me on Twitter at TimblesRH. And the official Twitter for this podcast is at PodWam. We're also on Instagram at Without a Mouse, And we do have a Facebook group as well, which is just Without a Mouse. Just, just search Without a Mouse, mate. Oh, no, I'm not on Facebook. What are you going to do now then? We've finished. What? Go home and... Yeah, pretty much. Watch... Porn. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Bye. Porn. I like porn. Should we start viewing Disney porn? Pardon? (laughs) I I bet there's loads of Disney porn out there. Yeah, I bet there is. It's not my thing. No. Bye.